Welcome this morning. Thank you for joining us in worship. We're here to worship the God of heaven. And we're excited this morning to do that. I, I was reading in Psalms 119 this week, and you can turn your Bibles there. I, I read over in Psalms 120 this morning, and it reminded me, made me think of something that happened this week. Perhaps I'll start out reading Psalms 120. <clears throat> In my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given unto thee? Or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. Woe is me that I sojourn in Mesut, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And that sounds pretty, pretty strong there. Um, I don't know that I was involved in war, but I did interact this week with, I don't know, it was a difficult relationship. I uh, have had my semi being worked on really since March, and it's still not running right, and it's harvest time. And I, I just wanted my semi to work, but I had told the I had told the guy that uh, I started. I called him Tuesday and told him I started harvest on Friday, and that we we just were going to have to have a truck somehow or another. So I was just needing to know if they were going to be able to get it fixed, if they thought they were going to be able to get it fixed, or if I needed to find another truck or what. And uh, it it just. Let's see, well, so, so he said he thought he would, and I called him back then a day later, and he, he said that, well, you said you were going to start on Friday, and somehow our, mis our communication had, had gotten crossed. He thought I was starting next Friday, and so he wasn't even in a hurry, hadn't really been working on it. And I, so I told him, I said, well, no, I, I started harvest last Friday. And he said, well, you must forget what you told me. And, and so at that point, what do you do? You know, there's really nothing to do. But, but the words of Amy Carmichael came to my mind this week. It's, she said, uh, if I cannot rest under misunderstanding, I'm going to forget the rest. That's the main part. If I can't rest under misunderstanding, then I know there's something else there I'm missing. But then I know nothing of Calvary love. And... And just this, this idea that when I'm misunderstood, do I have to push my point? Do I have to make it right or clear? And, you know, there, there are times when there are misunderstandings and we do need to communicate well and try to communicate through it. And then there's other times when, when we need to rest and it's okay. And this was one of those times that well, it didn't do any good to continue to push the matter. No. So it was, it was tough and it ended. I, mean, I tried to apologize, but it still didn't end well. He wasn't happy with me. It, it felt like I tried to make peace in verse 7, but when I spoke, he was for war, and, and we just did not click. 
our, our communication, our conversation wasn't, wasn't going well. So I just wanted to encourage you, I guess, if I cannot rest without, under misunderstanding, without defending myself, that was, that was what I was looking for. If I cannot rest under misunderstanding without defending myself, then I know nothing of Calvary love. And just, just encouraging us and, uh, and having a heart that uh, we don't always have to be right, and that's a challenge for me <clears throat> many times. Now let's go over to uh, verse 129 of Psalms 119. As we begin this worship service, I just want us to, to open our hearts to the Lord. I want, to, I want us to, to have a heart of worship, a heart that, that wants, excuse me, wants to hear from God, that wants to worship God. And he says here, thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them, and has that been my heart this week? Has that been my expression to those around that the, the, the testimonies of the Lord are wonderful? Do you feel that in your soul? The entrance of thy words giveth light. As you've read the word of God, as they've entered your mind and your heart, and they've penetrated you, have they, have they penetrated your life to the point that they've given light in your daily life, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Many times, many of us feel pretty simple in a lot of ways. We, we don't understand situations. We don't understand which direction we should take, where we should turn and go in life. And, but it says, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. I opened my mouth and panted. And I longed for your commandments. Look thou upon me and be merciful unto me. Could I just get you all to stand with me now? Stand up and, and together I'd just like to, as we go to prayer, I just want to read these, these next couple of verses together as a prayer to God. Look, up, look thou upon me, and be merciful unto me, as thou used to do to those that love thy name. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so will I keep thy precepts. Make your face to shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. Rivers of water run down my eyes because they keep not thy law. Father, we just come to you and thank you for your word. And Lord, we just thank you for men of God that, that, are, that lived and that we have their example and we have their, their heart's expressions and their cries and their prayers written down for us to read and to see and Lord I just pray that that you would look upon us and be merciful to us this morning just like you you have done to them as verse 132 says as, as we've seen your mercy in 
the lives of the, the men and women throughout the Bible, Lord, we need that mercy today in so many ways. Father, we thank you for this time that we have together, and I just want to pray for, for Chad as he opens your word to us today, that our hearts would, would truly worship you, would truly hear from your Holy Spirit, that we'd allow it to speak to our hearts in ways that impacts our lives, our actions, our thoughts this week. Lord, I just pray that we could rest in your love. Whether we're lifted up, whether we're put down, whether we're understood or not, whether we're called names, whatever it may be, we're rejected. Father, that we could rest in your love this, this day and this week. Just pray for the many hearts here and lives here. We know there's no doubt many challenges that are being faced. Lord, I just pray that this week that your word would enter into us and be light help us to make decisions. Lord, give us strength and comfort. Lord, I just pray for Cephas and Hannah and for their family today. I just pray that you would give them comfort and strength and just confidence, again, in your love as they go through this difficult time. We know there have been, been others who have lost loved ones. There are other health issues and difficulties. Lord, we pray for the older ones of our congregation who are not able to be here this morning. Pray that you would be near to them and that you would minister to their hearts and their needs today. Just uh, may we honor you today in all that we say and do and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
this weekend is our harvest meeting and we have uh, Chad and Jessica Myers with us from, they're from Iowa. So uh, we're thankful to have them. Well, it is a blessing for us to be here. We want to welcome you, greet you in Jesus' name. Thank our brother for his opening. I didn't really talk with him about what he might share, but I feel like his opening very much goes with our thoughts this morning, and maybe I could have been a little bit like Brother Zach and sat and listened rather than getting up here, but it's good to be here. We ask for your prayers as we look into God's word. I invite you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 20. Our lives are a series of mountains and valleys, you might say, maybe some plateaus and some areas where Things seem rather neutral, but the thoughts that we'd have this morning would focus a little on maybe some of the, the difficult times, some of the, the trials that we face in life. If I were to ask each one of you in this audience what comes to your mind when you think of God, there'd probably be quite a few different responses. Some might mention the, the nature that we see around us, the wonders of his creation. Some might first be drawn toward the, the mighty works that he did, miracles that we see throughout the pages of scripture. Maybe you would initially think of, of his love, his mercy, his goodness. Maybe you'd be drawn to his justice, his holiness. Or maybe you'd think, of the wrath of God that, that we see sometimes in the Old Testament and even in the New. And you know, all of these are accurate and, and worthy attributes of who God is. They're, they're all part of who he is and how he reveals himself to us. And it seems like those that don't know God tend to focus on his wrath or think of him as someone who is maybe sometimes harsh, maybe difficult and we we understand that God does hate sin and and there's an aspect of him where wrath is shown but as Christians who desire to walk with God who want to be faithful to his word there are times where God's presence seems very real where it seems close we feel a connection a relationship with him that is very real it's something that we want and we desire. But there are also times where it seems God's rather quiet. It seems that his presence isn't as real as we would desire for it to be. Maybe we would say there's times that his silence in our life is rather deafening. And there's a time in the reign of King Saul where he's wandered from God. He's rejected God's plan, God's way, and he's, he's trying to do it his way. But there's a battle that he's facing, and as he assesses what's before him, it doesn't look very good. And in 1 Samuel 20, 28, we read, And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. 
And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by the prophets. So Saul wanted to do things his way. He wanted to put away God's leading, God's plan, and, and do it his way. But now there's a problem. He's in a, he's in a bad spot, and he wants God to essentially be on speed dial to come bail him out of the trouble that he's looking at. But God doesn't answer at all. It says he doesn't answer in any of the ways that he's, he's spoke to Saul in the past. Saul has separated himself from God, and you might say he's kind of reaping what he's sown. This is a separation, an isolation from God by choice. But we find a number of places in Scripture, the life of Job would certainly be one of them, where an individual did not walk away from God. They had not strayed from his plan for their life, and still they struggled with where is God in the situations that I'm dealing with? Where is God in the trials that have come across my path? What is God trying to tell us when we're praying fervently and it, it just seems like there's really no answer that we're hearing? We're needy people and, and the areas where we require God's help is, is an unending list. Saul needed help with a battle. Job needed help with great loss. There are many ways where our need of God is made very real to us. But in 2 Kings chapter 20, there's some words that, that I believe give us a glimpse as to where God is in the trials, the difficulties that we come across in life. I want to begin reading with the first verse of 2 Kings chapter 20. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. There's two final words he gives there, sentences, parts. You're going to die and not live. Generally, I thought those two went together, but this is not a good report that he's brought to King Hezekiah. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass, afore Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears, behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs, and they took it and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. And Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me, and that I shall go up into the house of the Lord this thir the third day? And Isaiah said, This sign shalt thou have of the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he hath spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten degrees, or go back ten degrees? 
And Hezekiah answered, It is a light thing for the shadow to go down ten degrees. Nay, but let the shadow return backwards ten degrees. And Isaiah the prophet cried unto the Lord, and he brought the shadow ten degrees backward, by which, he had, by which it had gone down in the dial of Ahaz. Isaiah the prophet comes to the king here, and he gives him some very devastating news. He says, the Lord says, get your house in order because you're going to die. You know, I've often thought one of the most difficult things about being a physician would be those times when test results don't come back very well, and, and you have to go tell the one that you're working with, you know, this isn't good. The results are not good. And we find that the message the prophet's given here is a difficult one. He has to go tell the king, it's not good news I have to share. And he, he's not real diplomatic about it. And in my own words, he says, King Hezekiah, you're as good as dead. And naturally, Hezekiah takes it pretty hard. Probably how most of us would imagine hearing news such as that. Verse 3 says, And Hezekiah wept sore. He cried bitterly. It was a heavy burden that the Lord had given the prophet to share with him. But I'm blessed by his response on hearing this news. He immediately pours out his heart to God. You know, in times of great difficulty, God's presence may not seem as real, but I don't think there's any question that we're more likely to turn to him for help. You know, if a doctor were to tell us tomorrow, you have six weeks to live. If that was one call that we got, and another call was, you've just won a million dollars. Which of the two is going to make us cry out to God? Which one's going to make us recognize that there's a higher power that's needed in our lives? You know, when the mountains get too big for us, that's when we start to recognize the one who created the mountains. I recently listened to a book about a soldier that had lost several comrades in battle. Some of them had been killed and some had been pulled from action because of their injuries. This man was very accomplished in fighting. He was very good at the mission that he had been given. But because of the losses that his group had sustained, the, the ones in charge felt it best to pull them from the battle and give them some time to regroup, to reflect, to try to get pulled back together. And this man who was a seasoned warrior, a veteran fighter, in this time began to look to God. He began to read the Bible. He began to pray as he was trying to cope with the trauma that he had been through. And that's a natural thing in our lives, to look to God when things are difficult, to call on him when we're not sure what direction to go. Doesn't tell us here how long that Hezekiah prayed, but we know that God heard his prayer. Isaiah's barely left him, and God sends another message that he wants him to give to the king. And this message is also very short, but I love the words that are found there. He says, I've heard thy prayer, I've seen thy tears, behold, I will heal thee. Three short statements. 
heard thy prayer, I've seen thy tears, behold, I will heal thee. You know, the prophet had been called just before this to go give a message that was very difficult. I don't think we'd want to share that message with anyone, but especially to share it with the king. But what a difference in the message that he's to go share with him now. And I believe those three statements, the first two that God gives him, are just as true for us today. I've heard thy prayer, I've seen thy tears. And as the difficulties, the trials of our lives come upon us, I find great comfort knowing that, that there's a God who, who hears our prayer, he sees our tears, he understands the challenge, the difficulty that we're dealing with. It's been just over two years ago, I can remember exactly where I was in the Menard store early one morning when my phone rang. And as I looked at my phone, I didn't want to pick up that call. Saw my wife was calling, and I pretty well knew what was coming. The night before, we had received a message that a little niece was going to the emergency room with some breathing difficulties, and of course we were concerned, but didn't think a lot about that. These things happen. But after a mostly sleepless night, we knew her condition was rapidly going the wrong direction. And as I saw my phone ring, I picked up that call. I knew what the news was. She was gone. You know, in just a couple hours, we had gone from having no idea there was any health concerns to that cold reality that a loved one was swept into glory. A family that was very close to us was now facing a massive void in their lives. It was only a couple months later, I could tell you right where I was when my phone rang again. My wife's voice was very calm, but it was quite concerned. Our son Finn had been dealing with a bad cold for several days, and through the night it had settled down into his lungs, and this was not something new. It's a weakness he deals with. It's happened quite a few times. But it seemed to be a little worse this time, and we knew he needed to get some help. Made an appointment for him to see a doctor. It was in the very early stages of the whole COVID situation, so he had to go to a special clinic that was dealing with all the respiratory issues. And it was right next to one of the bigger hospitals in our area. We thought he just needed a little medication. We'd been down this road. But she called me, and her message was something like this. She said, we're in the ambulance going to the hospital. Finn's lungs aren't good. His oxygen's really low. It was impossible not to think back to a couple months earlier. And as I buttoned a few things up at work to 
go home and be with Aaron and Reagan. Got in my truck and tears just began to boil up in my eyes. Because when a little child is sick, it, it's always somewhat of a helpless feeling. But with COVID, only one parent was allowed to be there. I couldn't even go there. I couldn't even pat him on the head. I couldn't support my wife. Very difficult. But you know, we praise the Lord that he heard our prayers. He saw our tears and it was only a couple days later we were taking our little son back home. You know, in these two situations, I believe God was in control. I believe in both events, he heard the prayers. In both events, he saw the tears. So why did one child pass on and one received healing? I don't know if you ever find yourself asking questions like that. You know, God, what are we supposed to learn from this? God, what, what is the message that you would have for us? What are you telling us? Why do two very similar situations end so differently? Why, God? What, what does it mean? And, you know, health needs are, are something that's very real to us, but, you know, the needs here this morning, I'm sure, vary tremendously. Maybe it's victory over sin. Maybe it's healing of relationships. Maybe it's the prayers for a, a lost soul to come to Christ. Maybe it's financial difficulties. Maybe there's career decisions, schooling. You know, th there's a lot of ways that we are in great need of God's working, his leading in our lives. And when we're in those times and we pray to God and he seems rather silent, what are we to learn? We've already heard some words out of the Psalms this morning, and it, it seems that the Psalms are a place we often turn in times of difficulty. There's a lot of encouragement there, but you know there's some Psalms that express some very real, raw emotions. Psalm 74 verse 1 reads, O God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why doth thine anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? That's some picturesque speech. God, why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? These aren't the sheep of the heathen pastures. These are your sheep, God. Why is your anger so strong against them? You know, these are words of of stress, of trauma. Asaph is credited with writing it, and there seems to be a little debate as exactly who he was. But clearly, he's in a difficult time. Clearly, there's some pretty raw emotions that he's feeling. He's saying, do you understand, God? Are you listening? What, what's going on here? Why am I facing this difficulty? David wrote many psalms, and he also painted some powerful word pictures. In Psalms chapter 6, he's facing some sickness, some difficulties with his health. And he says this, I am weary with my groanings. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. 
Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. You know, that's some pretty raw emotion being expressed. They say that a picture is worth a thousand words. I'm not sure a picture can express exactly what he's saying here. He says, I'm making my bed to swim with my tears. It's a difficult time that he's in. But he goes on later in that psalm in verse 9. He says, the Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. God is listening. God is receiving the words of David's heart, of his prayer. He comes around to recognizing that God is still in control, even though things are very messed up. I don't know most of your life stories in here, the trials, the difficulties, the challenges that you may have faced. But I'm almost certain that within this assembly, there are some testimonies that are very remarkable. There are testimonies of miraculous healings. There are things that maybe the doctors can't explain. They say, I, I don't understand how that went away, but it's a good thing. You know, there's, there's problems of other types that disappear with little or no explanation. It's a God thing. God heard. He saw the tears and he healed. And those are wonderful things. Those are examples that we rejoice in. We love to dwell on them. They build our faith. They encourage us. They strengthen our Christian walk. But I think it's very likely that within this assembly, there's also some examples of very devastating news that's shared. A diagnosis that's not what was wanted. And it plays out just about exactly how the doctor said it would. Even though there were prayers, even though there were tears, even though there was fasting of the saints calling out to God, I think many of you probably know the name Nabil Qureshi. When I found out that he had a terminal illness, it, it kind of shocked me. You know, with along with his ability to communicate the gospel, he, he was also a medical doctor, and I thought, how did his situation get so advanced without him understanding something was wrong? But as that news came out, there were many, many people all over this world who began to pray, to fast, to call out to God on his behalf. It seemed that the time we were in with the, the challenges of Christianity reaching out to the Muslim people, his voice was very necessary. His voice was one that was very helpful in that work. But you know, his diagnosis to death went just about exactly how the doctor said it would. Did God not hear those prayers? Did he not care about Nabil? There's a quote of Elizabeth Elliot that I want you to ponder. If you know her life, she's an individual that knew innocent suffering. She knew what it was to go through very difficult times. And her quote was this. He being God, he says no in order that he may, 
in some way we cannot imagine, say yes. All his ways with us are merciful. His meaning is always love. It's not a long statement, but there's a lot in there. He says no in order that he may, in some way we cannot imagine, say yes. All his ways with us are merciful. His meaning is always love. You know, even when the cries of the saints aren't answered the way they desire, I still believe God is merciful and his meaning is love. He still hears those prayers. He still sees those tears. But sometimes in his sovereign wisdom, he says, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect through your weakness. You know, the sovereignty of God is, is something that, that my mind can't grasp. It's something that we struggle with at times. But I'm convinced that God would always have us to reach out to him with humble prayers and tears rather than a cold heart or a clenched, clenched fist. When our prayers aren't answered the way that we had hoped, may we still have faith to trust that God is in control and he loves us because cold, bitter hearts are not what God is seeking to find in his people. We mentioned Job earlier. We know that the time of his loss was great. And he wondered through that time, where's God in this? What is God's plan? What does he have for me to learn? And as his thoughts tumbled over in his mind, the events that had taken place, the grief he asked God some questions. He reaches out, seeking some direction. If you want to turn to Job 23, we want to read a couple verses there. And I want you to notice at the beginning what Job sees in the world around him. How he perceives God's presence in his life. Job 23, verse 8, he says, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. Job says, God, I look to the right, I look to the left, I look in front, I look behind, and I don't see you, God. I don't sense your presence, I don't sense your direction. Where are you in this tumult that I'm in? But he's not done. The 10th verse but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job's dealing with a lot of confusion, unimaginable pain and loss that he's been through. But I love how he comes and he rests in God, trusts his sovereign will, recognizes that God is there, even though his presence seems very distant at this time. Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth or song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long, does Jesus care when my way is dark with a nameless dread and fear and the daylight fades into deep night shades? 
Does he care enough to be near? Does Jesus care when I've tried and failed to resist some temptation strong? When for my deep grief there is no relief, though my tears flow all the night long? Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Is it aught to him? Does he see? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. You know, the songwriter here so eloquently addresses the needs of our lives. He talks about pain, burdens, cares, weariness, dread, fear, darkness, failure, grief, loss. You know, most of us will experience many, if not all, of these on our Christian walk. We live in a fallen world. It's a reality. But we face this knowing our Savior cares, knowing that he was willing to go to the cross for us, to suffer unimaginable pain so that we could live. And I wonder if in our times of grief, our times of suffering and wondering where's God in all this, if our main focus should go to the cross and seeing what God has done for each one of us. Maybe a clearer picture of where he is will be drawn by looking to the cross. No, I believe God always hears our prayers and sees our tears, but sometimes the healing doesn't come in this life. Sometimes it's saved for eternity. And I love the words that are found in Revelations, the promise that they give to the believer. Revelation 7, 17, For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. All of the problems, the trials, the difficulty, the pain, Scripture says God's going to wipe away all of that when we get to heaven. You know, whatever tears have clouded your eyes, whatever trials have burdened your heart, God understands, he sees, he cares, and there's a day where all of that will be wiped away. Broken relationships are difficult. Sometimes they're devastating in our lives. Dreams that haven't been realized. Maybe we've prayed for something in our life for years and years and doesn't seem like there's been any progress. Maybe it's a temptation that seems stronger than we can handle and we battle, we battle, we battle. You know, this pandemic has, has affected people very differently, but... I wonder if it's taken a bigger toll on many of us mentally than we, we sometimes understand. You know, decisions were made, plans were made, plans were canceled. Things were very much up in the air. It had an effect on us. You know, COVID didn't catch God by surprise, but it sure altered a lot of our plans. It sure changed a lot of the things that we do. 
Maybe our difficulty is that we've been misunderstood or maybe we've incorrectly judged the situation and, and a lot of pain, a lot of hurt came out of that. You know, loss of loved ones is a reality. It's something that is being dealt with by many right now. And God sees those tears as a loved one is pulled from this earth. He understands what loss is. Likely some of you here have prayed many, many years for a need, for something. Maybe it's for the salvation of a, someone close to you, maybe a family member. All of my life, I remember our church at home praying for a man who attended church very regularly. He rarely missed any service, but he never had accepted Jesus. And as he grew older, he faced a number of health problems, a number of situations that we thought, well, he's probably not going to pull through this one. And he always did. And people continued to reach out to him, to talk to him about his need of Jesus. He knew his health was not good. He knew his time was short. He knew the Bible better than most of us probably did. But he never accepted the call of God upon his life. He had a sister that had a special burden for him. And as his condition deteriorated, many times she would call one of the brethren to come talk with him. Try to reason with him of his need of Christ. And every time he would reject that. On August 25th, just a couple weeks ago... Dad was called there once again to talk with him. His condition had gotten about as low as it had ever been. Hospice had been called. We knew his time was short. And as Dad went there, he was very weak. But he found some strength for a little to talk. And he said, I'm ready to accept Jesus. He said he wanted to sing some of the old gospel hymns. And although he was so frail, he joined in and sang some of those gospel hymns. And it was about 24 hours later, at the age of 85, Gerald crossed over Jordan. But he didn't do it alone. If you've been praying for a need for many years, if your pillow is stained with tears for a burden, keep praying, be faithful. Sometimes the prayers of the saints aren't answered for decades. Don't give up. And for the believer, there is unspeakable joy at the end of the journey. Eternal perfection in every way. And I just want to encourage you to be faithful. You know, some here this morning are probably on a mountaintop. They're looking forward to great events. There's no thought of difficulty but there's probably some who are slogging through a pretty dark, low point in their life. Wherever you are, remember that God is in control. He is there. He does care. I've heard thy prayer. I've seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. What shall we sing?
certainly has been a blessing to be here today. I was just thinking as we were finishing up that song and having the privilege to look into your faces as you sang or in some cases didn't sing, just all of the multiple situations that's in our lives uh, combined here in the represented in this audience this morning. And a few of you are, are on mountaintops, but most of you have realized you've lived life long enough that you've realized that the growth comes in the valleys, and some of you are there. I heard a sermon many years ago, and the, the title has stuck with me, and, and even parts of the message, um, and it was a title something to the effect of, of going to the mountaintop through the way of the valley. And most of the time when we climb mountains or, or hike, the, and even when we drive through the mountains, the roads are built in the valleys, and it's an upward climb. Um, most of you experience that in life. And it does us well if we, ahead of time, learn to memorize some of the promises in God's word. And our brother has come across many of those. In Psalm 46, I thought of Psalm 46, 1, that says our God is a very present help in time of trouble. It means that his presence is with us. Though we don't see him, though we don't always feel him, as our brother mentioned, but he is not only present, but he is our very present help in time of trouble. Peter writes that we are to cast our care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you, as that song said. Been a, a real encouraging message. And we thank you, Brother Chad, for uh, coming, and Jessica and your family for coming and sharing with us this weekend. I've asked Brother Chad to have closing prayers, so why don't we kneel and, and we'll pray. <laughs> 